What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama Stay with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. I am so excited today because when I first created the idea of Mama Stay, moms, bout it moms, dope moms, working moms, married moms, single moms, divorced moms, widowed moms, whatever, one of the first people that came to mind was Ryan Michelle Bathe. And the reason is, is because we always really connected on the red carpets. Yes, she was there in the beginning for her husband, Sterling K. Brown, who, as you know, was on This Is Us and had a really very important turn as one of the lawyers in the OJ movie. And it was a big deal to see her on the carpets, have a little kiki, laugh and giggle and be like, all right, back to business. So she was one of the first moms I thought of. Not only that... But right when I launched Mama's Day, she was going into production on not one, not two, but three different shows. She was on All Rise, where she did 16 episodes as Rachel Audubon. She was on Endgame, where she was one of the two leading stars, where she did 10 episodes. And she was on First Wives Club with Jill Scott, 17 episodes, all between 2021 and 2022 just right when I was launching my podcast. So the messages I would get from her is like, I'm busy, girl. And I got that. We are busy. We are busy without three nationally syndicated shows. So the fact that she not only had to leave her family and go shoot someplace else, discard Ryan Michelle Bathe and add a layer of a character and live in a place that she's not familiar. I get it. Look, I've worked in this TV game for a long time. Being in a production is awesome. You got a job, you got money flowing in, you got the opportunity to dive into what you love the most, which is acting and bringing characters. And she don't have time to do a podcast. (laughs) I did have one of my girlfriends who was the lead makeup artist on Best Man, the TV series. She did come, come on here from the trailer, but she was the makeup artist, not the actress. Okay, here she is. Here we go. They're in um, school right now, so, but I, I still would not be surprised if a head wandered in, just like, what you doing? Not <laughs> these days. That's why, that's why the window for Mama Stay is like 10 to 2. <laughs> All <laughs> right? of our kids are at school. That's the yes. hope and desire. They're healthy and they're at school. They're at school. And yes, and here's to all of the moms that decide to homeschool. May you be ever exalted. Forever. Ever praised. Girl, <laughs> I'm bowing right now. Look, I say this to my moms who homeschool all the time. It is a beat. It's extra credit that you don't need. You don't need that extra credit, but you went for it. You went for it. Yeah. 
And Here's did you spend down. time alone at home like we did, losing our minds? Or were you on a set somewhere? So break that down for me. So First Wives happened about a year and a half before the pandemic, maybe oh. two. Oh. Yeah, I think we filmed it 2017, 2018. I just remember Amari was very, very young. So Amari was born in 2015. So yeah, 2017, because he was, I looked back and I was like, oh, I had a baby. Like when you have your second kid, like things get like sort of, again, time is like a rubber band, right? So he was about 18 months, maybe just two when I left to go to New York and was going back and forth between here and New York to do First Wives Club, right? So we got to go back that far because that kind of Okay. We did the first season and I'm just going to speak free, freely and plainly with you. BET has a very different schedule in mind. There could be 10 years between season one and season two. And that's just how they do. And whether or not the rest of us think that that's appropriate, they 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 did not ask my advice for that. <laughs> okay, I was not consulted. So, and then in the interim, while I'm waiting to kind of figure out or hear from, while they, I don't know, divine. It's like they have like a divining rod over there, you know, <laughs> like uh-huh. bowl. They're like, we have to consult the sound bath for the seventeenth time. Okay, fine, fine. I give you credit. Whatever it was that was going on over there. And mind you, we we then went on BET. So it wasn't just BET, it was BET Plus, which was just starting. So now, there was, your, your show was one of the first shows they tried to lure people to BET Plus. It was the first show. Like, let's the see. first show. <laughs> the first and probably the only for a little bit of time. But namaste. <laughs> <laughs> I love us. I love you us. I love you. So I'm going to have a, a real convo. So anyway, so cut to somewhere in the interim First, uh, All Rise calls and wants to offer, a, you know, a recurring because they wanted Simone's character to, I think, be a little bit more rooted and grounded. It, it just sort of like, because, you know, she was this Howard grad. She, you know, she, so she was, and, and one of the women that was, who's now the showrunner, D. Lawrence Harris, who's amazing. I don't know. She went to an HBCU, but she had all these Deltas in her background. So, and I'm a Delta, which I don't know if you guys can see. I put some of it back there. So that became part of the story. So anyway, so that was how that kind of sort of okay. um, arrived in my life. And that happened January, right before the shutdown. So they were filming season two and I showed up, yeah, January. And so we we shot however much we shot between January and March. Then the shutdown happened. Now, where I will give all rise and the people who were, I mean, honestly, I cannot say enough good things about them. They were incredible. And they were one of the first and only people to do a Zoom episode. Yeah. Adapting, honey. You got to shift and adapt. They shifted. Yes. They, they literally came in like hazmat suits to check my like Wi-Fi. And it yeah. was like, you stand over there. Check, and then things came in boxes. And it was just, remember that time? Like, like people were, people were gearing up or in the middle somewhere of the pandemic, they were like, well, we'll just zoom such as such it. And then you'd get these big packages from yep. people and big they'd be like, kits. Kits. Yes. and you'd open it up and you'd be like, Oh and my God, gonna, I have to do this by myself. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll zoom, we'll zoom you through it before the actual zoom. And girl, and they girl. Had, I had my computer, I was walking around the house and they were like, okay, do this thing. And like, and it's like all these tech people that you never would have met. And it's like this guy and he's like, uh, do you have a gigahertz? Uh, what's the gigahertz reading on the metrometer? 
girl. Get the metrometer. You're like, is this the metrometer? And they're like, yeah. Girl, the part that used to really get me is, are you hardwired? Are you hardwired to the soil? No, I don't know how to do this. Please. I know. Girl. Meanwhile, there's like one eyelash like hanging on my face. I'm like, giga, giga her. Oh, it was a mess. And they wanted us to be cute too. What is happening? And the babies are running through. Somebody was, I thought, I was like, is that a booty? Girl. You know, it was a mess, okay? (laughs) So Amari was five. Amari was five when all of this was going on. Our kids are one year apart. My one and only and your one is one year apart. So Nyla was in kindergarten when the pandy hit. So just imagine she's about to be a big girl. And then now I'm her teacher and we're sitting at home and she has six hours of school that now I, I have to teach and find the patience of Job some way. There is no patience for that. That's what I'm saying. The people who are good at it, I bow down to have the patience to be like one plus one is two. <laughs> that not girl. four. But you know what I did? And we're skipping around a lot. But when it came to the kids, especially my youngest, I gave up. I fully gave up. No, and you know, and, and, and <laughs> I did. I was like, you know, first of all, he'll learn to read. It'll happen. You know, it'll happen. <laughs> you know, Einstein didn't know how to tie his shoe till he was eight years old. And it Grace. worked out. It worked out, right? That's the I'm part. Sure everybody is in the same boat. And I am not about to ruin my sanity, my relationship with my child, to teach him where to put the comma and one plus one. It's not that deep. And you know what? They will figure out, wait, if I put this thing right here and this thing right here, that's two. They're going to work that out. And, and why would I want to take that from them? Why would I want to take away my child's own? He will. They will never again be able to explore life <laughs> in this gentle learning way. And I'm not going to take that from my baby. Don't take his discovery away. I said, there is so much. He can go through the trash and find something. What is this? Oh, this is dim. This, you see the trash and hallelujah. And so that's what I did. I said, and I, we cooked, we did the baking, you know, cause that was measuring that we did that, which is why um, I actually had him measure all the pounds I was gaining too. So we learned the metric system. I was like, if I eat one more and banana bread and you know, and it's the pandemic. And this was the other thing that I was like, okay, this is where the, a cultural conversation comes in because I know you and I were raised the same way and we were raised not to waste food. No, ma'am. We eat the food. We eat the food. And so then what I do is I just don't have certain things in my house. But now it's the pandemic. I'm supposed to bake banana bread and pumpkin bread and and cookies because that's how he learns. Because that's what what are the teachers giving you, right? You got to teach. You got to teach. You got to eat. And they eat their one little slice. You got a whole thing of Christy Teigen's banana bread. But there is a husband. There is a husband in the game. Who but I, the husband burns the calories like you wouldn't believe, child. It's not fair. Husband, husband doesn't have hips or booty. We hope not. He's, he's and listen again. No shades, anybody. I did date a guy once who had hips, but that's oh yeah, we don't, we don't really. 
doesn't really do it for most of us. Sterling does not have hips. You want to put Sterling does not have hips. Okay. Right. And he can eat all the Chrissy Teigen banana bread he wants to, and he will not develop hips. I think about I, Oh, I just got, I just got a pad. Got right it. Here. Thinking about it. Just thinking well, about it. That juicy. Just thinking about it. Did you embrace it though? Like I, I'm telling you, I'm very juicy right now. And I like being in the mirror, shaking it. Like it shakes differently when you're juicy. <laughs> I, I try to give it grace and give it love. To let it know, I'm not shaming it. I love it. I just need to tone it up a little bit. That's wonderful. I'm going to try that. (laughs) As soon as we get off this Zoom, I'm going to try that. I was like, my eyes were just... Because I... And I also thought, in all honesty, girl, like all jokes aside, I really thought the world was coming to an end. Did you really? You you know, because when it first happened, I don't know if your daughter's in LAUSD, but my son at the time was in LAUSD. And LAUSD was sending like... It was... We shut down a week before spring break. And the way that it was framed was, we're just going to close down a little early for spring break. We'll see y'all after Easter, right? It was not framed like, this is the end of all things, Frodo, right? It wasn't framed like that. So I think feeling like I was caught flat-footed and there was a, there was very little preparation on my part. And then having these two kids and sort of going into this kind of like, almost primal mode and 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 you know you think about mad max thunder you're like what is like what is 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 this the moment where everybody thinks oh ha 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 and then it's like (laughs) and you're an actress and you're creative and you write stories in your head I mean it's so many pitfalls for you so many and it did not take long for me to go down to this like we independence day we can name a thousand (laughs) movies that just kind of send you there Right? Right. And I was like, I will be the one that survive. I don't care what happens. Me and these babies. Also. And then you go to the, you went to Whole Foods and you know, in LA, nobody eats pasta. They don't even know how to cook the pasta. You went to Whole Foods, the whole pasta aisle was <laughs> wiped out. Right. It's so Something's different. Different. Is it rice, pasta, beans, pan the car- beans? When the carbs are gone, you know, shut it down. <laughs> Something is happening in LA when the carbs are gone. Yeah. And they ration butter. Remember when they were rationing butter and eggs? Not even butter. I mean, I understand butter. Toilet paper. People lost their freaking minds. Oh, I just really, I don't subscribe to the mania. I don't. I just right. ordered on Amazon, have a shitload of toilet paper. And I was like, okay, we're good. But yeah. I understand people have different circumstances. I realized I had anxiety for the first time in my life. I never knew. Did Me you? neither. Really? I didn't, I'm, I'm in the exact same boat. I have heard people talk about anxiety prior to the, and I'd heard people talk about it. And I was like, oh, you know, it never resonated as something that I should check in with myself. Like, oh, God bless those people with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm those people. After that, you know, like, and all of the conversations around PTSD. And I was like, oh, we're living through a trauma. This is not some trauma I need to lay, lay on a couch and be like, when I was five, like, this is when I was, like, this is now. This, the trauma is happening now. And the after effects of the trauma are happening now in real time. And we're all doing it together. Yes, it's a collective pummeling of trauma. And it's layered because then the George Floyd stuff, it was just like one thing. And Trump and all this shit. We are survivors to the highest. That's that's the thing that gets me through is, okay, maybe I didn't react to things in the right way. I have a daughter. I'm a single mom. So we're living in this space, which is great, but I can't freak out. I can't lose my mind because she's watching everything that I do and mimicking 
how I'm reacting to things. So if I'm stressed out, so is she. How were your kids when you thought the world was ending? The good news about the kids is that there was a lot of sleeping because our kids are overscheduled and they do not get enough sleep. Very few children get the sleep that they need. It's true. So that was the other thing about like giving up where they were concerned. They got a lot of grace. I was like, sleep whenever you want to sleep, eat whatever you want to eat, do whatever. Like I literally was like, this is camp, camp mommy. And, you know, when I was cooking for them, I was making sure there was food. I was making sure that everything, like, so that they could know that in these walls, you got what you need. Everything is fine, you know? And we were lucky enough that we had a backyard. We were lucky. But here's the thing about overscheduled kids today. We have planned everything for them, but they don't have a lot of those natural instincts of, of how to kill time. And it's our fault. It's not their fault. We wake them up. We pick them up. You got to be at, you know, soccer at 2.30 and then you have gymnastics at four. And then we have to do the hour of reading that the teacher said. And then we have to go to bed. You know, like every moment, the life that we had where we would come home from school, throw a backpack in a corner, do whatever and kill time and whatever we had to do. They, you know, we, that, and then we'd hear the garage door and you'd like, in 30 seconds, make it look like all the things that you were supposed to be doing, you know what I mean? Or, or going outside, like all of that stuff. We don't, they don't, they don't have that skill set. So they didn't know, like my oldest didn't know how to go outside and just like walk a dog with the other neighbor boy. And the neighbor boy didn't have that skill set. Like they literally don't know. They're just like, hey, hey. And I would say like, I'll introduce you. And he was hot. He was like, you are going to introduce me. He was like, mom, that's the worst thing you could do. I don't, know. I don't want anybody to know I have a mom. I'm a, a mom. I'm a mom. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty cool. Like one time I waved at like these two boys are walking down the street in the car, and he was like, mom, you're a total creeper. And I was like, a creeper? Me? I love how you're getting it from three men in your house. Like you're, the boys are giving it to you. Like what? We're, okay, we're going to get to that later. How you are retaining sanity. Is it work? Because that's a lot. I'm dealing with an emotional preteen and I'm like, but the boys are like not giving you, they're not giving you respect, man. He's a teen, a preteen too. And he feels embarrassed. They also don't have the skill set that we did to be like, moms talk to other kids and be like, hey, you're 12, he's 12, have at it. And they don't, that's not a language. And why? Because again, they make their friends on the soccer team. What did we do? We're the ones who put them on the soccer team. We're the ones who sign them up for gymnastics. We're the ones who put them in. We are the ones who structure every single minute of their day and the people that they spend it with. We're the ones who organized the play date. The, 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 the term play date did not exist when we were children. At all. You go outside, you find somebody, you play. Yeah. And what date is today? Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody was calling nobody's mama talking about. There was also a different time when you can like literally say, okay, come back in a couple hours. Get out right. the house and come back. Yeah. I don't think any of us are in that space where we're going to no. kids. even though it's safer 
we can give them a cell phone. We can give them a tracking device for the love of the Lord. And it's super safe, you know, with a camera. We can have a camera going the entire time they're out of our, our parents didn't have any of that and they did not care. And, and the other thing is that there are no other parents who are doing that same kind of like conversation where it's like, all right, let's all get together and my kid can walk to your kid's house. And I I even moved to a neighborhood that I thought would have all of that. And it, it, it didn't again, because no one goes to the neighborhood school and, you know, I could go on and on and on. But, but the bottom line is that during all of this that was happening, I noticed that we've done our kids a disservice by not allowing that natural skill set of being able to talk to other kids that they don't know. I don't know how and, much blame. I think it's just circumstance. And I think you have to give yourself grace for that. It's like the more we try to, like, make our lives, our kids lives full with every possible thing they could love it requires us to take over. They can't schedule it, right? So right, by right, nature, right. we have their schedules packed because I don't necessarily want my kid on the iPad. I, I, I'm not doing that. The kids at the dinner table, I refuse. And there right. are parents who have just leaned all the way in. Oh, give them the iPad and shut them up. I get that. Trust. I get because my daughter wants to have a full 85-minute conversation about everything. Mm. But at the same time, what we don't do is say, go to your room and do nothing. We right. don't make them go to their sanctuary, their space, and figure out how to pass the time. Like, I'm now going to start to do it like every 30 minutes a night. She comes home from her extracurricular, go do nothing before maybe even starting homework. It's just such a good point. Yeah, because that's something that we have to, I mean, we spent a lot of time in our rooms and figured things out and you know, imaginary life. But we, had, we we were able to live in our imaginations, and I think if anything, we can we can just try to re or reverse engineer that, like you said, yes. like I just start at fifteen minutes, shut the Wi Fi off in your house for fifteen minutes, off, just shut because, it off. Let me tell you something: you have a an eight year old, and how old is your other son? A seven and eleven. My oldest is eleven. Oh, seven and okay, seven and eleven. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You're getting into cell phones. Yeah. And he just cell got a cell phone. Yeah. He presented us a Google Slides presentation. He put That's on a what suit. they do now. That's what they do now. And he like went through the whole thing. And I'm very, very frustrated that I gave him a phone. Now, there are times, I will admit, soccer got let out early. Sure. Oh, so glad he had a phone, you know? Yeah. So, so 20% of the, I'll even say 30% of the time, I'm like, 70% of the time, I'm like, if I could throw that thing in the Pacific Ocean and watch it die, then I'd be so happy. So what So what do you do? What does the family do? Are there, what are the restrictions? Because look, all of us behind you are watching, like, what are we going to do? It's everywhere. And when you watch the social experiment, all these, these shows on Netflix about like where we are and how it's sort of twisting our minds, it's scary. We don't want our kids to be subjected to that. But we also don't want them to be left behind. That's all the future is going to be, is them being proficient on these damn mechanical computers, these little computers in their hands. Yeah, these little palm computers. Yeah. No, I, so what I would say is, so as I'm learning, right, this, I'm learning as I'm going. Yes. We gave it to him because we wanted him to feel like he worked so hard to convince us and he did everything right. We wanted to give him the experience of having done everything right. And then it worked out. Right. Yes. 
I don't regret that part. What I would say is don't ever have it in the morning. They cannot have it in the morning. And then again, they can take it to practice. Right. So that means they can have it in the car on the way to practice. Now for us, practice is not too far. So it's like 15 minutes. So they can have it in the car on the way to practice. Obviously, some kids can take the our school. You can take the phone. Now you have to drop it in a little bin and then you get it at the end of the day. So obviously you don't have a drink, but I was like, no, you can't have it at school at all. So the morning is gone, obviously during school. So there's that time after school that he gets to have his phone and it's a, I, I've sort of scheduled it or allowed it around practice. So when I pick him up and he's in my care, then we have the phone. And then if something happens, he can look at it in the car. Fine. And then the weekends, the weekends is when it gets a little bit tricky because on the weekend, if you're not scheduled, three hours can go by like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, well, especially because we're all so tired and, you know, and you're on your, I'm on my phone because I'm catching up on stuff. And, you know, and and with what we do for a living, we're always like. Always, all day. <laughs> all day. That's what we have to do. So if we need an hour so that we can film some content. And when you're a Black family in America. What we do know is that we have to constantly supplement what our children learn in school, whether it's public school system or even the private school system. We have to be so intentional about what else we're going to let our children grow up with, that be nurtured with. And what I realized with all this crazy money that I spend for her school, it's not enough. It's 100% not enough. I want my daughter to be so completely in love with herself and her culture not if, but when some bullshit happens, right? Right. She is like, oh, whatever. Like, I want her to literally be like, oh, that's shenanigans my ancestors told me about. My son was in the public school system and I wanted him to be in the public school system because I was very committed and I was like, this is how we change public schools in LA. It's true. If we're not there, how can we say, right? And I, I, I was 1,000% committed to it. Unfortunately, Corona happened. I am not going to go to Ryan Fletcher, our principal, Ryan Fletcher's office and sit in there and the person before me lost their husband to COVID is trying to figure out what to do. And I'm sitting there because I'm sorry, Andrew's art. I was just, I mean, I noticed that like he doesn't have the right um, ability when it comes to like oil versus um, acrylic. Now, my son deserves to have a mom who's going to fight that hard for him for oil versus acrylic. For whatever. For whatever. But is that providing or taking space for the little kid who didn't get lunch during Corona? For the little kid who it took seven months for them to figure out their Wi-Fi? So that's kind of where I am. And that doesn't mean that Andrew doesn't deserve all the things, but it does mean that like we have to, I had to kind of really think, recalibrate and say there's nothing wrong with carving out space over here for the kids whose survivalist needs are met. So then we can build on them. But what we're doing while we're building is explaining to them, there are kids whose needs are not met. So the reason why you're in Jack and Jill and the reason why mommy and daddy have you in this is so that you can learn leadership skills so you can go out in the world and be the lawyer and be the senator and and, and even just be the person that says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that these kids over here 
their needs are met. Yes. And I'm going to vote for policies because I was taught from a very early age that we we got to take care of we. And I may be a little bit further on on the, on the spectrum and I'm grateful for it. And what I'm going to do is make sure I'm not going to turn into somebody who's like, well, not only am I in the boule and Jack and Jill, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with voting in a way where it keeps your money. Yes, they're for me personally. Yes, there yes, is. We do have to continually teach our children and remind ourselves that we are responsible for each other. That's how I kind of like broke it down. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with us going to the to the library and there's nothing wrong with us going to CAM. If we don't go to CAM, who's going to go to CAM? Ultimately, and I, oh, Ryan, ultimately when it comes down to, and I see this in all of our lives, it's just balance. Yeah. It's balance. There is no one view. There's no one African-American life. There is no one. It's funny because I got really caught up in Clubhouse during COVID. (laughs) I was the queen of Clubhouse. And let me tell you, so many beautiful conversations about race and identity and the conversation about Black privilege. And there was a, a really wonderful LGBTQ guy who was like, you guys, stop it. There's no such thing as Black privilege. That's rude. Don't be rude. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. There is a lot of Black privilege. It's all relative, right? So if, for instance, your boys are privileged and there's nothing wrong with that. If they grow up privileged without a knowledge of the world, then that's a crime. But to grow up privileged and to understand your responsibility of the collective is what we're all trying to raise right now. I've been taking her on protest since she was uh, attached to my body because it's not about that life in totality. It's about that's a piece of life that you need to understand. There's a piece like, why do we give all of our clothes to the Genesee Center? Because that's a reality. You need to understand that there are kids whose mom is running away from an incredibly awful situation. And she needs to have a place to take her kids, get herself together, maybe learn a new skill, get some clothes so she can get a job. Like we need our kids who are privileged to understand the full spectrum, but also enjoy their beautiful lives and have joy and be happy and be fulfilled. Yes, and we want them to be global citizens. And we have so little time with them. <laughs> we have so little time to teach them, okay, what didn't I get? I didn't, I never learned to ski. Like, I want them to ski. And like, I'm like, oh crap, 11 years went by really fast. People are going to get that skiing checked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. my kids are in, in soccer and I didn't get to do that. And, and language. You know, they were in a language immersion program because that was my goal. I wanted them to be global citizens. I wanted them to be able to, if if something goes down, like if it goes down, I need you to be able to speak some Spanish or some pidgin Italian or cobble some French together, something, because we never know what's going to happen. And we want our children to be, and we want them to be able to be on the front lines of service as well, right? And we feel like the more we give them, the more they can go out in the world with, like you said, the confidence and that Black excellence and just letting stuff, you know, roll off their shoulders. And again, in doing that, what they're able to do is just make a little bit of space for the person that comes along behind them, seen or unseen. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll tell you a story about you, my dear. Ah! So when I, I, you don't remember the first time we met. The very first time we met was at Doughboys. Remember Doughboys? Yes! 
Okay, so that's I nice so to eat I, breakfast there. You did, because I went I saw you eating breakfast there. And you were sitting on one of the outside tables. And I had the biggest like girl crush on you ever before like I even met you. No. And you know why? Because you were you were carving space, you were bright, intelligent, clearly dialed into being a black woman. You had natural hair on television. Tanika, nobody was doing what you, like, nobody was giving what you were giving. Nobody, okay? And as a, as a Black girl who had just got to LA, who was trying to figure out the hair and the whole thing, and, and, and it was a journey. I mean, I will say there were, there were weaves and not weaves and weaves and not weaves and press and curls and like, right? There's a lot, there's a lot. But it was, you carved a space. You carved a space that said, okay, it's going to be okay. It may not look okay right now, and it may not look okay today, but there's there's room. Might just be this much, mm-hmm. but maybe go to that audition with your hair natural. Just try it. Just try it. It's okay. But the upshot of it is, is that this is the background, and I was like, oh, I love her so much. I love her. And then we walk into Doughboys, and there you are. And when I tell you, you gave the perfect combination of, yes, I'm that girl, but come on with me too. But Lord, because you know there's some girls that give I'm that girl and you could never and don't even try because I'm not. But it was like, you were like, oh, no, no, no. I'm that girl. But I, I see you, sis. Oh. Not a lot of people do the I see you, sis part. And I just, I, I have never forgotten it. I remember where you were. You were sitting on this side of the table and you were sitting right outside and you were saying, you know, you just gave so much love and you looked me in my eye, which I know sounds like a small thing, but it is a huge thing in this town. And I was like, okay. Cause you know, they say never meet your heroes. Right. And I met one of my heroes and I was like, it worked out. It worked out. And just that enough, just enough. You don't know what it does. You just, you have you don't even remember it, but it gives people just enough. You know what? I won't, I won't go back to New York. I won't quit. I'll give it three more weeks. That puts a, just enough wind underneath uh, someone's wings to like, cause you know, it's like this. It's like, we're really truly surfing the current. And sometimes something can come and just smash you to the ground your heart is open. You're meeting someone you love. And then they just kind of like shit all over you. We've been there, huh? We've been there, right? And your wings, it's literally like your wing. You can't fly because you got shit all over. And you got to like shake it off. And you you got to like let it dry off before you eat. Right. Get the stink Yeah, you know, and the stink. And you know, like, what do you do in the wing? You're Googling, how do I get this shit off my wing? You know what I mean? And like, for not, you didn't even do anything. You didn't even do, you said hello. And old girl shat all over you. Like, well. I'm having I, PTSD right now. I felt it. I felt it. You were, you were, you lifted. And you oh. gave me just enough, you know, to keep going to that next thing. And, you know, I'm sure there were several crashes after that. But, like, that wasn't a crash. I so, so appreciate that story. So in my story, you are the wind beneath my wings. So thank, thank you. you. <laughs> amazing story. I receive all of it because, oh my God, it's my greatest mission for people to see that I see them because I felt so unseen as a kid. So I try to see people always. It's one of the things that I was adamant about on the red carpet was my show may be like, ah, whatever. We don't care about them. I cared about all the people that look like me. 
I cared about all the people that were on the red carpet. I'd have the cameraman. Oh, you hurry up. We got to No, everybody gets a moment. They're humans. It is a moment to, to connect. They get to talk about their greatest joy and to be real. And that's what's really hard about not doing that job anymore, because I can't force people like you and Sterling on our show. I can't make that happen anymore from a show that was on every single day. I would be like, they are stars. Put them on. You guys and what you want doesn't reflect who we are. So I'm going to tell you who needs to be on this show. And so it's one of my great, greatest regrets that I'm not on a show every single day, but it's I also saved myself. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah and mama stay.